You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. Tootaloo! To 2023, we are back with Daily Notes. Let's kick off this new year right. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. Say hello to my little friend! Beetlejuice. We are the Commando Elite. Everything else is just a toy. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Hi, I'm Chucky. Wanna play? Maybe you're just an old hacker like me, but disguised as an idiot. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. And here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam. These are my daily notes where I have fun conversations about films. Super excited for today's episode. Got a first time watch and two comedies that I kind of grew up watching along as a child. I used to watch those kind of on repeat. It seemed like every couple of weeks like we would put those on and just really fun times. So the first time watch is a Del Toro film. It's called Kronos. It's officially stateside release was 1994, but it was did get like a big award circuit run for in Mexico for uh, in 1993. So we're definitely going to talk about that movie, and then we're going to go jump into the comedy realm with Mrs. Doubtfire, starring Robin Williams, and Son-in-Law, starring Polly Shore. And I also feel like this is a good time to mention it. I'm recording this episode a week before kind of our big reveal, so it's uh, January 12th. 2023 and on january 15th over on youtube we are going live and talking about our top 10 films of 2022 so make sure you guys check the show notes down below if you want to see the live show and i know that it will also drop on the podcast stream as well so if you don't want to watch this live and leave comments and interact with us on youtube it's going to be here on the podcast stream too so stay tuned for that we'll be dropping relatively soon but I'm really excited to uh, talk about these films, so make sure you guys check the show notes down below as well to see where these movies are streaming, because I feel like they're definitely worthy of some watches. I think uh, watching Son-in-Law was a reminder of how nostalgic I was for that movie. Mrs. Doubtfire is a classic I've watched even into my adult life, and Kronos, being a a horror fan that I am, I never saw this movie, and it kind of has some good vampire uh, moments in there too, so... Really interesting movies to watch here, and it's a good start to kick off with 1993 for our anniversary watches, going back 30 years to review these movies. So, uh, without further ado, let's go do our first time watch this week, and that is Kronos. Kronos is a rated R film with an hour and 34 minute runtime, and it's directed by the legendary director. Guillermo del Toro, also written by him as well, and starring Federico Lupi, Ron Perlman, Claudio Broke, um, Brock as well. Claudio Brock as well. Uh, so this is a film that I, I've always kind of been intrigued by, especially when I've kind of gone back and started doing these first-time watches of uh, films I've never seen before. When I came across Mimic, I was kind of looking through Del Toro's filmography, and I came across Kronos, and and I kind of remember I remembered I, I wanted to always watch that movie. I didn't really know what it was about. I had seen that also the, it came out in Criterion, and Kronos is streaming on HBO Max. So this was a perfect opportunity. I saw that it was celebrating its re, um, official like anniversary in 1993. Obviously, it didn't hit the states until 1994. 
but we can still honor the 30-year anniversary of this awesome film. Uh, what I really liked about the movie a lot was that Del Toro does do like a little four-minute intro on HBO, talking about little things that he had experienced making the movie. Especially he recounts a story where he was basically criticized for making this movie. The government really wanted anything to do with it. And all, and then also he basically said this movie's not going to be seen by anybody. No one's going to watch this movie. It's not going to win any awards. But then they started putting it on film festivals and people just ate it, ate it up. And actually won a lot of uh, Academy Awards in Mexico. And then it got really a lot of acclaim in the States as well. And I got to say, Kronos is a really uh, cool, breathtaking movie that I really got captivated. And my wife got into the film as well. One other thing I want to recount before we jump into my really my heart and soul and my my thoughts about the movie is that uh, Del Toro filmed a lot of the movie in like a giant warehouse, and during that the warehouse sequences they would film one day at pointing one way, and the, they were in the process of tearing down the warehouse actually. So a lot of the scenes they had to kind of play on the fly, trying to readjust their shots and everything like that and this is also one of the first films that uh, del toro did do and then he also had a crane for so he, a lot of the shots he does he has a, has a crane for like there's a lot of raising shots shots from a different levels of this uh this shoot some of the things i really loved about this del toro you can tell he's a masterful storyteller just from the, this the jump very early on you can tell like the guy has a scope he has a vision and a story that he wants to tell and Kronos, essentially, if you guys haven't, I probably should read the synopsis right at this point, right? Uh, on IMDb, the synopsis re does read here, A mysterious device designed to provide its owner with eternal life resurfaces after 400 years, leaving a trail of destruction in its path. Now, what that description does say is that there, there's something that our characters are going after. However, what we don't see from this is that this movie is not just kind of an eternal life story, kind of a vampire-esque type of story. No, what this story is, it's about a relationship between a father, or a grandfather, and his granddaughter. I really liked that. That's the thing that really was subtle, but also was very evident in the story, especially in the closing moments. There's some really sweet moments between this grandfather who owns an antique shop that essentially has a piece of art there that contains this device that people are after. It The grandfather does find it first, along with the granddaughter. And the, the device attaches to the grandfather, and he starts kind of craving blood. And so it has a really good setup that it's really accessible. It doesn't really bog it down with a lot of complex histories and stuff. And yeah, there's some of that stuff about this like statue that this device was in, and with the device there's some history to it in this world. But that's not really what's focused on. It really has a human story and about it too. Basically speaking, that the the granddaughter in this movie, no matter what the grandfather did, still loves her grandfather and will do whatever it takes to kind of show him that she loves him still, even when he's sucking people's blood. Uh, there's not really blood sucking like that, but there is a really creepy, unsettling scene in a bathroom. Um, there's a guy at this party that has a bloody nose, goes into the bathroom, the grandfather follows him in there. And there's like leaves a puddle of blood on the counter. And there's a guy comes out and kind of walk, cleans up the blood. And there's one couple of drops on the bathroom floor. And the grandfather basically gets bent down on his head and, sees and starts licking the bathroom floor with this blood. Because he has to have that fix. He has to have that taste. Uh, what an unsettling sequence. Because you obviously know your, your feet, you trample on different things. Plus it's a bathroom. You know, people 
especially guys miss some occasionally in the bathroom so you're basically just licking up like <laughs> urine essentially and the floor the floors of the bathrooms are very dirty places and he's licking up the blood it's a very unsettling sequence that is so effective and i just kind of ate it up just like the, he was eating up the blood really a uh, strong imagery there also want to give a huge props to uh the our lead actor here who plays jesus gris uh Federico Lupe, Lupe, uh, I do apologize. I know I mispronounced that last name, but what he was able to do at the very third act of the film, film, he starts getting a lot of like prosthetic, like makeup work on his face, and it conveys really well. I think they could have done more into like kind of the horror, but also the the aspects that this film does have. It's not really building on like jump scares or horror elements. It's really focusing on the relationship with the grandfather and it just so happens to be in a vampire movie i really liked this that tone they didn't go super into the horror like they could have uh one thing too ron perlman does show up as kind of like a, a bad guy here and he is obsessed with getting a new nose too uh there's a square off between him and federico here at the very end that is kind of silly but it's effective for the movie and it has a really nice uh send off to Federico's character at the end too. Overall, Kronos is a really solid movie. I'm giving this a three stars. It's really good to kick off the year with a really solid movie to talk about here. And for being a first time watch, Del Toro does a really great job. It's one that I could definitely see myself owning on Criterion. My wife got really excited and was watching it too. And there's some really effective things here. That bathroom sequence um, is probably one of my favorite bathroom sequences if we ever do that top 10 again. Uh, that it's definitely gonna make my list. So Kronos, three stars, directed by Del Toro. Definitely check it out. It's streaming on HBO Max. Now let's go on to our our next review, a revisit of two classic comedies from 1993. Hello, I'm Euphigenia Doubtfire, dear. It's homework time. You can't imagine what it was like being married to Daniel. He sounds like an absolute stallion. Daddy! Hello, dear! Robin oh! Robin Williams. A man who'd do anything. Back off! God, it's hot in here. To see his kids. Mrs. Doubtfire. My first day as a woman. I'm getting hot flashes. All right, our next review is the comedy classic Mrs. Doubtfire, directed by Chris Columbus. It's written by Randy Mayhem Singer and Leslie Dixon, based off the book called Alice by Dom Doubtfire, written by Annie uh, Fine. It stars Robin Williams, Sally Field, Pierce Brosnan, Harvey Feinstein. Polly Holiday, Lisa Jacob, Matthew Lawrence, Mara Wilson, Robert Prosky, and Anne Haney. Now, on IMDb, the synopsis says that it is after a bitter divorce, an actor disguises himself as a female housekeeper to spend time with his children held in custody by his former wife. And I remember watching this movie growing up a lot, and I just really. Robin Williams was the, the guy. He, you know, he did have his great impersonations. There's great moments where he 
it has good uh, comedy and i really love the the tro comedy chops and the just the funny nature of this movie however watching it now seeing some of those dramatic turns especially during the custody battle sequences and how he just wants to have his children in his life are all, all kind of heartbreaking especially now that i have kids it's one of those things that i, I never see foresee myself ever in that situation but i know i would be heartbroken too i, I love my kids and i want to spend time with them so i was able to connect on that level seeing the uh, chemistry between robin williams and sally field and some of these like heated arguments and some of these tender moments uh, really great to see sally field is a delight even though sometimes the decisions you're like oh, why are they arguing that's it's robin williams let's, let's give him a pass but no there's some long tinge long um long issues over long overdue issues that haven't been resolved and that that they just kind of maybe glossed over in their marriage and a letter of some bitterness there and you can understand where sally field's coming from in mrs doubtfire the kid performances are all really uh, gr good here, too. I watched this with my daughter, and, of course, the youngest uh, is also the actress who plays Matilda. So she's like, it's Matilda! So she was super excited for that. Uh, but great uh, performances from these uh, child actors and teenagers here, too. Uh, the prosthetic work for Mrs. Doubtfire is uh, great. I really liked seeing the transformation scene here and getting some of the nostalgic vibes of the, some of the music that played here, too. And... Uh, my favorite scene has to be the Bridges uh, restaurant scene where he has to go in and out of character, Robin Williams, that is. So he has this birthday dinner for Sally Field's character. And, of course, he invites, because uh, there's a, a budding relationship between Sally Field and Prince Brosnan's character here. Um, so he misses out fires like the third wheel, essentially. So there's they go out to dinner for her birthday with the kids, and at the same exact time, uh, Robin Williams' character, the... Uh, Daniel Hilliard has a meeting with his boss, um, his this uh, movie executive, TV executive, at the same restaurant at the same exact time. So he has to go in and out of characters. Such a chaotic scene, a lot of moving parts here, and just a really entertaining time to rewatch that. That's a, just a great scene at Bridges Restaurant. Uh, another thing I really liked here too is that there's subtle moments of just really good tenderness and also mixed in with some humor and I think a lot of that has to be brought to because Robin Williams is such great at capturing those moments and I definitely miss seeing his movies because I think there's a lot of that that he was able to just bring to like different roles as well. Uh, this is again a movie that I've, I've watched countless number of times, and I really don't have anything negative to say, to say about it because it's just one of those mo rewatchable movies that kind of embody my kind of my childhood as way. You know, I, I've always grew grew up watching this like Back to the Future, Indiana Jones, and Star Wars, but you you kind of forget like the so those smaller. You know, this is not it made a lot of money. I I'm, I'm assuming I haven't got to the but but box office breakdown yet, but. You would assume like this little smaller stuff would be a smaller movie compared to those previously mentioned films, uh, but you forget about these little smaller films that kind of also had big moments in your childhood that you just remember watching with your family. And this is what a big family movie was. Like I watched this for the first time with my dad, my brothers and sisters, and I really loved it. And we watched it quite a bit growing up too. So it was uh, just a really fun to go back and rewatch it with my kids. Let's go down and see if they have any award nominations. I don't see anything there. Oh, yeah, one Oscar. It's an Oscar-winning film for best makeup. Great, uh, great win there for that. Uh, 
Greg Canham v. Neil and Yolanda Tosing. So it won for at the 1994 Academy Awards for Best Makeup. It was also um, nominated at the BAFTAs for Best Makeup as well. And uh, see, American Comedy Award for Funniest Actor in a Motion Picture. Robin Williams won for that. Also, Funniest Supporting Actor in a Motion Picture, nominated for Pierce Brosnan. Brosnan. Uh, Funniest Supporting Actor in a Motion Picture, also nominated Harvey Firestein. And then also at the Awards Circuit Community Awards in 1993, Robin Williams got nominated for Leading Role here. Also got a nomination for Best Makeup. There's some other awards here as well. So it did get some praise from the acting side of things, but primarily the makeup. We're gonna go down to that budget here as well here and it came out officially in uh, November 24th 1993 and the uh, box office or the budget for the movie is about 25 million dollars and the opening weekend it made 20.4 million dollars so almost made its budget back the opening weekend and it grossed 200 oh, no the world worldwide gross rather I'll read that number instead of just domestic Worldwide, it made $441,286,195. It made some money, and I'm glad we didn't get a sequel to it because of the money. Uh, but really, a big box office haul there as well. The domestic for it, by the way, it was like $219,195. No, $219 million, rather. $195,243. So even domestically, it made a lot of money, too. Uh, let's see, filming locations, San Francisco, because it takes place there, and some other different locations here as well. So definitely um, check out the MDB page. There's some really cool stuff there. But Mrs. Doubtfire is a classic movie that of my childhood that I really liked and going back and rewatching. So uh, that's my take on that and my, some of my thoughts growing up on Mrs. Doubtfire. So now we're talking about Son-in-Law with Polly Shore. It was a peaceful farming community. A place where everything had stayed the same for generations. They've always known that someday change would come, but no one expected it to come home with the girl next door. (laughs) (laughs) Middle America. Who the hell is that? He's weird. He's like nothing they've ever seen. Nothing they've ever heard. I don't want to be rude or anything, but Miss Warner, you're giving me a semi. You distract him, I'm going to hit him over the head with a shovel. So basically, we're not going to be hanging out? No. (laughs) But after spending a little time together... So you're just an old hacker disguised as an idiot. Why don't you, um, put a little makeup on him? The great American family... You don't like it, do you? Uh, No, I think I do. ...will never be the same again. Let's chow down here and munch some grinding! And he'll turn one small town into one huge party. Check out the wood that I created for him. You okay? <laughs> Beautiful day. Feel the breeze and let it fly. Oh yeah, seven forty-seven. The son-in-law. What do you think their kids are gonna look like? Son-in-law is PG-13 and has an hour and 35-minute runtime. It's directed by Steve Rush and written by Patrick J. Clifton, who wrote the stories. And there's five other people here. Uh, Susan McMartin, 
Peter M. Linkoff, Fax Bear, Adam Small, and Sean Snipes also wrote the screenplay. The actors here are Polly Shore as Crawl, Carlo Gino, Lane Smith, Cindy Pickett, Will, uh, Mason Adams, and Patrick Rena want Ryan. Uh, rounds out the cast now son-in-law i'm picking this movie because no one else is going to talk about son-in-law on for 1993 anniversaries but i really wanted to talk about this film because it's one that i did watch a lot growing up and i have fond memories of this i was laughing my butt off when i was re-watching this movie uh, part of that's probably nostalgia for watching it so much uh, i can admit it's not the greatest movie out there it's only like two and a half stars for me uh, i think my rating had gone up since this last rewatch i think on the website it's two stars but putting up i'm ranking raising my rating up uh, for this movie what i really like about son-in-law is that there's just this funny nature to it and we just got done binge watching yellowstone so we were kind of in that westerny feel farmland feel of it and i was like comparing it uh annoyingly so to my wife about like what happens if like, this is this is like yellowstone we can have this guy would be rip this guy could be john dunn she's kind of annoyed by that but uh son-in-law for me it is a very silly kind of stupid comedy it's probably short movie and it is completely hilarious. Uh, he's playing this like weasel character named Crawl. He's the resident advisor at this college, and he meets uh, Carlo Trujillo's character, uh, Rebecca Warner, because she goes off to college from California to California. Um, so the synopsis on IMDb is: Having gotten a taste of college life, a drastically changed farm girl returns home for Thanksgiving break with her best friend, a flamboyant party animal who is clearly a fish out of water in a small farm town. Uh, so, of course, during this Thanksgiving weekend, Rebecca brings Crawl to meet the parents for Thanksgiving as a friend, and uh, kind of they're kind of culture shocked. It's like, what the heck? Why are you completely changed your look? You have this this crazy guy coming here. Uh, they don't like him right off the bat. Uh, there's also a subplot here where uh, Rebecca has a boyfriend, um, her boyfriend, like high school sweetheart, who uh, was, what's his name? Travis, played by Dan Gother, uh, who's preparing to propose to Rebecca here. So they, they hatch this like impromptu thing, like, well, Crawl's already proposed, I'm getting married, type of thing. So, of course, Travis wants to try to get revenge and try to break up this relationship. So. This girl that he's been cheating with, uh, Rebecca with, who is uh, Tiffany Thiessen, who plays Tracy. We probably remember her from uh, like Saved by the Bell and stuff like that, as Kelly Kapoor. Uh, so, and, and recruits her to try to break up this uh, relationship here. Uh, it's a ridiculously like crazy movie, but it's a complete fish out of water. And seeing Crow interact with in the farm is it, relatively fun. This is. Probably the only Polly Shore movie I can think of that I've watched other than a goofy movie. He plays a voice there. But Encino Man celebrated an anniversary last year. He has In the Army now from a few years ago. I've never seen Biodome. Uh, so there's some movies I've definitely missed. But this movie kind of sparked an interest like to go back and revisit it because we went to the comedy, Tacoma Comedy Club a couple months ago. And Polly Shore is going to be there in a few months. So like, I need to go back and rewatch this. And Todd's like, just go watch this. Watch it again. Because no one's going to talk about it. And what I really love about it is it has really funny jokes, especially something who grew up on it. If you're watching it for the first time today, I, I don't think you find it nearly as funny. My wife actually had never seen it, and she was laughing quite a bit. Not as nearly as hard as I was, 
but I have nostalgia for it. So it is completely ridiculous and uh, out there premise, but there's something about Pauly Shore that uh, brings some kind of charisma. This is definitely when, he, when he's at the height of his comedic powers. I know that he kind of fell off a little bit with him in the army now, um, because, but he is this kind of weasel character. I'm not really sh sure how he was so popular, but... He was such a big, powerful, power, uh, popular guy from MTV back in the 90s. So seeing him kind of transition with this film. And also, a really funny uh, thing is, Brendan Fraser shows up here for a quick, quick minute. He's looking like Encino Man as well. So I, I like how they tied Brendan Fraser back in here. Especially Encino Man being one of the, the one movie that got, you know, Paulie Shore really kicked off um, there as well. So I really like this movie uh, quite a bit. It's... Not the, the greatest film you ever watch, but do have some nostalgia to it. It has a very simple ending that kind of wraps up kind of really conveniently, to, to be honest with you. And uh, however, thank God I'm a country boy. A lot of country music references here, and it's just an overall fun time for me to go back and rewatch. Like, it brings back some memories, and it's really fun to kind of go back to like these 1993 comedies and kind of get some. Some good memories that I used to watch this with my dad and my my sister and my brother and stuff like that too. So, uh, really fun. Son-in-law, really entertaining movie. I don't think it got any awards or anything like that. Yeah, I don't see anything. Uh, yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy here. Uh, back to the box. It came out July second weekend in nineteen ninety three. Um, the budget was about eight million dollars. It made it's it made about. 36 million dollars so it was a box office success opening weekend it basically made its like box like budget back it was like made seven million dollars so almost made that budget back so he was making bank in the box office so you know making almost you know, 37 million dollars um, uh, opening like in domestically that's pretty pretty good number so no wonder like people that he was had this like three movie deal with uh, when he first started the gate, the gate here. So, uh, yeah, really kind of really nostalgic for this movie. And it's also good to see back Lane Smith. We talked about a movie that he did last year with my cousin Vinny. I really like the parents here. Uh, Lane Smith and Cindy Pickett. They really have a really good fun commit back and forth. Of course, it's really fun to see Patrick Rena um, as the younger brother here. He, 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 we know him from like the Sandlot, the Big Green. That's what like, he was really popular. His, his powers, but yeah. Really cool to see that again, and overall, really fun, silly movie that I thoroughly enjoyed rewatching. All right, so that is our show today. We talked about Kronos, we talked about Son in Law and Mrs. Doubtfire. Really enjoyed going back and rewatching those two comedies and watching kind of a, a vampire film there that I never seen from Del Toro. Really solid film there. A really cool year to get, really good uh, year to kick off our 2023 year. Uh, doing some revisits here. I'm going up on my Google Doc here to check out what our next year is. So stay tuned. All right. So next week, we are talking about 2008. Looking at Curious Case of Benjamin Button and The Dark Knight. We're looking forward to talking about both of those movies next week. So stay tuned. It's going to be a fun one.